Welcome to the Knowledge Chamber. I'm your host, Robert Hess. Now, when you're talking about computers, you also need to take and think about what's going on in the guts of the computers and how to write software and platforms and operating systems so they take advantage of them properly. Here to talk about that is Stephen Tope. Uh, you did a session at uh, PDC on parallelism. Mm -hmm. Now, what exactly is parallelism? I'm almost thinking you should have some clones here sitting next to you to take and talk about that. Well, luckily I did at the PDC. There was a, a whole slew of us that were doing these talks. But uh, parallelism is, is really all about uh, taking a problem and splitting up into multiple pieces so that you can do them at the same time. So multitasking. You, multitasking, exactly. Uh, so you want to do something and you want to do it faster. Uh, and the computer with a single chip is only able to process operations at a certain rate. Uh, but if you have multiple chips, you can break up that operation into multiple pieces and have each chip or each core kind of progress in parallel to, to process that problem. So for example, uh, if you had a thousand operations you wanted to do and you had a thousand cores, you could do one operation per core and theoretically get it up to a thousand x performance improvement as a result. So, I mean, I mean, why is this popping up to prominence right now? I mean, we've been talking about multi-threaded applications for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. How is this different than simply a multi-threaded application? So, it, it, it is and it isn't. Um, and I have to be careful to say that a lot of the things we're talking about today, and we have been for the last couple of years around kind of client computing, uh, have been prevalent in sort of the supercomputing uh, industry for, for 20 or 30 years. Um, but only recently there's been a, an industrial shift that's caused us to start needing to think, think, think about this on the, the desktop, on the client. Um, with regards to multi-threading, we've been doing multi-threading for years and years and years, as you say, uh, but predominantly it's been more focused on um, uh, kind of concurrency and asynchronicity. Um, responsiveness. So, for example, if I'm writing a client application, there's, base, there's typically one thread that's responsible for updating my UI, my GUI thread. Um, I don't want to block that thread while, for example, making a network request to go and download some data from a server somewhere. So Although I, I have seen applications that do it there that are, way. There are, unfortunately, plenty, uh, including some from this company. <laughs> Um, but uh, you don't want to block that thread, so you offload that work to a background thread. Now you have two threads, hence multi-threading. Um, you, you might have some limited form of, uh, in effect, parallelism that you want to employ, or really more around concurrency, where I've got a bunch of things I want to download. Maybe I spin up three threads to download three different RSS feeds or something. Um, but it's, it, it's very limited, and it's really about doing multiple distinct operations at the same time. I mean, and the similar, like what a lot of our audience would be familiar with is like using a web browser and it's downloading all the images for the page. Each one of those is spawning off in a different thread in order to download the images, so it's not one image, then another image, then another, then another image. Right. Now, there are some subtleties to this as well. Uh, just because you're doing something in the background doesn't mean that you're actually tying up a thread to do it. Um, in that uh, example, uh, we have something called asynchronous I.O., where the operating system is actually able to say, you've launched a request, while we're waiting for that request to come back from the server, I don't actually need to tie up any resources, so I'm going to release that thread back to do other work. Um, and that's why we start dealing with things like thread pools, where uh, we can launch this asynchronous operation, and then we have a thread pool that's able to uh, deal with the results when it comes back, but in the meantime, those threads can go off and process other work. So back to your question, we've been doing multi-threading for years, predominantly for reasons of doing multiple distinct operations at the same time, maintaining UI responsiveness in server applications, for example, with ASP net uh, serving multiple basically isolated requests uh, all at the same time. You might have a thousand requests coming into your server and you can serve them all simultaneously. Um, but more recently as the hardware industry has been unable to continually improve the clock speed of our CPUs like we have in the past, kind of going along with Moore's law, 
We're starting to see uh, these walls that we're hitting around performance. It used to be that we could add new features all the times to our applications, uh, and if it wasn't fast enough today, no problem. When we get a CPU that's twice as fast two years from now, it'll, it'll run great. Uh, but now that CPU speeds have basically leveled off, and instead we start having pro more and more cores, more and more processors in our machines, um, we need to be able to take that one problem that we wanted to just run twice as fast and split it up into enough pieces in, in order to be able to run in parallel across all those cores. Uh, and there's a whole slew of new difficulties that come into play uh, when you start trying to take a single problem and split it up into pieces, process those pieces in parallel, deal with the dependencies between them, uh, merge the results back together, and give the one single answer that you expected to come out when you were just operating on a single core. But, but I mean, how is that different thinking about multiple threads, though? I mean, it's, it's the same idea as a programmer. I'm going to take and spawn different threads when they're all done with their processes, come back. On a parallel computer with multiple cores, can't those threads just simply go off onto the different cores and then come back? It's it's really an issue of how many things we can keep straight at the same time and how many things that have dependencies on each other are really operating. In the web server example, in the ASP.NET example, that's a, a great example where you have hundreds or thousands or millions of, of individual things uh, happening, basically a, a request from a web browser getting processed and the results sent back, where for the most part it has nothing to do with any other request that's coming into the server. So I can process it independently and not worry about how it relates. If I have a single problem that's a very intricate problem where processing this piece requires information about this piece, requires information about that piece, requires that this thing has already happened, now I need to start thinking about how all these different things that are happening in parallel relate. If you think about it uh, in terms of just a team working on a any problem you might face in day-to-day -day life, uh, if you have a a big project that's assigned to you and you're one person, you can logically structure it. It might take you a long time to go through it, but you structure it in a manner that will allow you to, to deal with all the dependencies. You do one thing after another in a logical order. Maybe you start certain operations, you, know, you send off an email and you go do something else and when the result comes back you deal with it. That's sort of that asynchronicity responsiveness thing. Um, but you don't have to worry for the most part about making sure that uh, different jobs you're doing aren't competing because you're the one doing them. Now, let's say you your boss sees that you know this is a big project, so he throws ten more people onto the project. Now you have to worry about well, how do you actually split up the work in such a fashion as to um, actually keep everyone busy without doing a lot of busy work? Um, how do you deal with not having too many, too much overhead of meetings in order to do all this coordination? How do you ensure that if uh, two people both find they need to talk to a certain person that they're not trying to clamoring for that person's time at the same time? and scheduling competing meetings and so forth. All these problems that you face in real life, which is a very, very large asynchronous concurrent parallel system, you face when you actually try to write these programs. And if you imagine trying to write a program to plan that big project with 10 people and do all the dependencies and make sure things aren't stepping on each other's toes, um, you start to see why it becomes such a hairy mess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can maybe understand how something like a a very robust spreadsheet application or a CAD CAM application might have all this stuff it's trying to do to coordinate all the capabilities. Um, how does that apply to the rank and file developer? I mean, not everyone in the audience is, is writing CAD CAM applications. They're right. they're writing you know calculators or yep. you know simple notepads or something like that. Mm -hmm. how, how do those people, how do they make use of parallelism? Is it it's important to them to pay attention to it? It is. And, and certainly, depending on the type of application you're working on, there will be varying needs for this sort of thing. There are many, many industries out there 
whether you're talking about finance or manufacturing or earth sciences or life sciences, really things in sort of this scientific computing or technical computing domain um, where pretty much everything you work on is ripe with these problems that are computationally intense and that you need to make go as fast as possible. Um, and these are historically the industries that have been very interested in supercomputing and you have large clusters of thousands or tens of thousands of nodes dedicated to doing some significant processing. But even other domains, you writing a, a, a word processor you know, uh, or notepad, like you said, there are lots of potential opportunities for operations you want to perform uh, that may be computationally intense. For example, one thing we use every day without even realizing it is a spell checker. Right? It's just running in the background in Word all the time. Um, not only is that something that's running concurrently with your typing, and so it needs to make sure that uh, it's, it's not when it's dealing with the editor in Word, uh, that it's not conflicting in any way with your keystrokes and it's up to date with the latest information. But there's also hundreds or thousands or millions of words in your document that it could potentially scan in parallel. Uh, uh, grammar checking in Word is the same sort of thing. Uh, in fact, many of the Office applications today take advantage of parallelism uh, to varying degrees. Uh, even things like loading a file off of disk, for example, you know, the, the new Office form, file formats as of Office 2007 are all XML-based. But XML is a fairly verbose description, uh, description language. There are lots of these tags uh, that are ripe for compression, so the Office file format is actually a zip file format. Uh, so when you have a .docx file, it's really a .zip. In fact, you can rename it to .zip and open it up and, and see what's inside. Um, well, when you talk about reading a zip file, now you start having to deal with compression and decompression. Uh, you don't want to necessarily have to load a 10 gigabyte or a 10 megabyte docx file off of disk and only then decompress it, and only then once it's decompressed show it. So, for example, Word could stream it off disk, and as it's streaming it, uh, it can decompress it potentially in multiple threads, and as the results are coming back from the streaming, it can be rendered to the screen on another thread. You end up with these pipelining scenarios. Uh, and uh, there are lots of different sort of patterns for parallelism that pop up in a lot of different environments. Uh, with imaging applications, one of the most kind of common patterns you see are these embarrassingly parallel or delightfully parallel or conveniently parallel or pleasantly parallel, whatever you want to call it. It's I have a, a problem that really is made up of many, many uh, entities that I can process individually. So if I'm doing... Uh, uh, a brightness filter or something on an image, I can process every single pixel independently. And thus I can just break it up into as many, the image up into as many pieces as I want and process them all independently. There are other problems that aren't, that, that don't decompose so nicely, uh, and then I have to start employing these patterns like pipelining, where I might have a limited number of stages that can all be executing on the same time. Each one is effect operating on data sequentially, uh, but because I have multiple stages all running concurrently, I, I get parallelism as a result. Mm -hmm. Now, in your particular session you did at, uh, at uh, PDC, what exactly did that cover? So we had a variety of sessions across um, uh, parallelism, something close to 10 sessions covering parallelism at the PDC. Um, I had one of the first sessions, uh, which was basically an overview from sort of bottom of the stack to top of the stack and tooling of what we've done for parallelism in .NET 4 as well as Visual Studio 2010. Um, starting at the lowest layers of well, what, was, what has been done in the execution environment, namely the .NET thread pool, to make parallel execution more efficient. Uh, moving up the stack, what's been done around data storage with things like uh, uh, scalable thread safe collections for storing data and around um, 
uh, running these asynchronous operations and coordinating between them with the new system.threading.task namespace. And then moving up a level uh, with the new parallel class that is really focused on these sort of embarrassingly parallel problems. Um, data-centric operations where I want to do a parallel for loop or a parallel for each loop or run a whole bunch of statements in parallel with parallel invoke. Also taking a brief look at uh, parallel link, which is the parallel implementation of linked objects, which allows you to take your linked objects query with your select and your where and your group by and your join and uh, you know the myriad of operators that exist with link add as parallel and it's replumbed under the covers to mm. parallelize the processing of this query. And then going up the stack into Visual Studio 2010 where we have both debugging tools, uh, in fact uh, primarily two new debugging windows focused on parallel parallelism, one called parallel tasks and one called parallel stacks. Uh, and then also um, in the Pro Visual Studio profiler there's a brand new concurrency visualization tool that allows you to really understand what's happening across all your threads, across all your cores, across the lifetime of your application. So my session was sort of a, a tour through that, and then there were other sessions that provided similar high-level tours of our native stack, uh, working from the, the new concurrency runtime, it's part of the Visual C++ uh, C runtime, uh, all the way up through the parallel pattern library, through asynchronous agents, and again up into the tools. We, there were talks that focused on things that Windows has done in Windows 7 and Windows Server 2008 R2 to make parallelism uh, more efficient at the kernel level. Uh, there were talks that were deep dives into these various topics, for example, uh, Igor Ostrovsky had a talk at the PDC that was a deep dive, 400 level deep dive into P-Link, talking about uh, various patterns that you might implement with the P-Link operators and then seeing what that looks like under the covers in terms of what P-Link is doing, where the various costs are so that you can make good decisions about how to structure your queries to get the, the most out of your system. Um, there was also a uh, PDC workshop session that came before the conference, uh, which uh, if, if folks wanted to come a little early, they could have a full day of uh, a few of us, Herb Sutter, myself, Aid Miller, um, and Richard Ciapala talking about patterns for parallel development sort of in the abstract, uh, specifically with .NET and, and Visual C++, and then also working all the way up to clusters with HPC server. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, if, if the developers out there have a problem that is ripe for being solved through parallelism, uh, not only do they need to think about how to write that application properly, but they also need to make sure that the tools like Visual Studio, uh, the platform like the .NET, and the operating system like Windows um, are also participating in the whole problem so that it's actually working in the right direction. Exactly. There's, there's multiple things to think about. There's sort of execution efficiency, which is where the runtime and, and Windows comes in, and there's sort of conceptual efficiency, I, I don't know how better call it, but uh, eliminating the boilerplate code you'd otherwise have to write, being able to write very little code, but that's very clear code to concisely express what you want. A lot of the things we've done and that we talk about at the PDC were a lot of our work is in libraries. The task parallel library, parallel link, parallel pattern library, asynchronous agent, those are all libraries. However, at the PDC we also had several sessions uh, that were talking about language innovation around parallelism. Uh, two sessions, or three sessions in particular come to mind. Um, one is a talk that's on F-sharp, which is the, the new language mm -hmm. that's shipping as part of Visual Studio 2010. Uh, this was all about language features that F-sharp provides around asynchronicity and parallelism. Uh, there was another talk about um, an incubation language we've been working on called Axum, A-X-U-M, um, which is a, sort of a new um, orchestration language for coordinating between these individual actors or agents that may exist in your program, doing message passing, enforcing isolation, a lot of concepts that you 
you kind of want handled for you at the, the language level. And then there was also a talk of kind of the future of C-sharp and Visual Basic uh, that briefly covered some of the work that's being considered for a future incarnation of, of those languages around uh, making it much easier to write asynchronous programs. For, for making the understanding of parallelism deep into the language itself rather than just simply the programmer having to think how to structure his, his sessions and objects and, and, and procedures right. and such. Right. So what do you see is the next stage for parallelism and, and you know, where Microsoft is going and where maybe our audience needs to be thinking about taking their application moving mm -hmm. forward? So I think with Visual Studio 2010, .NET 4, and Visual C++ 10, we've done a, a good job of sort of um, getting into the game, making .NET 4, uh, VC 10, and so forth a very solid platform uh, for efficiently expressing parallelism. Um, but there's still a, a lot more that can be done. First, um, the work we've done has all targeted sort of homogeneous CPU computational resources, but there's this uh, new era of GPGPU or general purpose GPU programming. Uh, you see things like OpenCL and CUDA, um, direct compute uh, on Windows 7. Uh, we need to make it easier to write applications that can take advantage of this raw compute power that exists uh, in GPUs that was formerly all about graphics but is now being uh, turned into this more general purpose uh, programming paradigm. Um, we also want to be able to take some of the programming models that we've uh, built up through .NET 4 and Visual C++ 10 and help expand them not only uh, sort of down to the GPU but potentially up to a cluster or even up to the cloud. You know, what would it look like to write a, um, a link query that not only spanned all of your cores but all of the cores and all of the nodes in your cluster. Uh, and in fact there was a session at PDC um, uh, by John Vert that was uh, about Dryad Link, D-R-Y-A-D, uh, which is a project that MSR, Microsoft Research, has been working on. And in fact, they have a download you can go and grab from the MSR site that is a, uh, an implementation of, a, of linked objects, basically, that runs across an entire cluster. Um, so uh, things like that, we're looking at uh, one of the things that we sort of realized when we, start out to, when we started out working on .NET 4 and Visual C++ 10 is that we were giving developers a very powerful but very sharp set of knives. We're making it easy to kind of express the latent parallelism in their application, but we haven't done a significant amount to prevent them from um, cutting themselves. Uh, we're making it easy to write a parallel loop, but if two uh, iterations of that loop end up uh, stepping on each other's toes, we don't do anything that's up to the developer mm -hmm. to coordinate. So we want to look at mechanisms both in the platform and in tooling in the future to help with those sort of correctness issues and to help prevent developers from but, cutting themselves. But, but shaving with a straight razor just builds character, right? Exactly. Now, who needs those little safety razor <laughs> things, you know? Right. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Uh, and then just sort of a general evolution of the, the work that we've been doing um, in Visual Studio 2010, uh, improving on the tools, improving on the platform capabilities. Uh, there are scenarios that we have sort of addressed with the, the work that we've done, but not necessarily completely. Uh, and we just want to take a lot of feedback from customers that are, have already started using the stuff or that will and roll that into the next release so that we can really improve upon and, and make developers' lives easier when writing parallel applications. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks. I mean, I think it's really important. I mean, myself, I haven't really paid attention at all to writing parallel applications yet. Uh, I guess I need to kind of dust <laughs> that sort of stuff off, take a look at F-sharp and the, the new tool we've got going, and maybe go back and take a look at some of the sessions we did at, uh, at PDC. You absolutely should, and I think we'll have all the links posted along with this video so people can just go and find the stuff they're interested in. Okay, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks.
So hopefully that gave you some insights of what you might want to think about when you're writing your next application to make sure that it supports parallelism. If you want to find out more information, you can check the videos online from PDC or the workshops we do, the, not the workshop, the workshop was not videoed, but the sessions were videoed and you can watch those sessions, either Stephen's session or any of the other sessions we did. Um, and maybe I'm sure in the next PDC, Stephen and his team will also be showing more about parallelism. Hope you enjoyed it.